the glass and in. Not killing his beat to do. It's a third win against the top ten. And the Orange had him all the way. They didn't look into your heart. They didn't look into your heart. They didn't look into my heart. A three for the win battle. Bang! Boom! As the Orange do it again. The cardiac juice comes through on the road one more time. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us alongside Seth Goldberg. I'm Stephen Fonte. It's a Tuesday edition of Orange Nation. 315-437-7644 is the number if you'd like to get involved. I had to think there for a second what day it was. We had no show yesterday because Tomorrow's of the, our last day SU of the week. women's basketball game. Right. Tomorrow is our last show of the week. We've got a lot to catch up on. Our last show together was on Friday. We've had two basketball games played since then, uh, one SU football game and, and one uh, eyebrow-raising press conference from Dino Babers, which we can get to uh, later on uh, in the show. Uh, your phone calls welcome at any time uh, for ESPN 44. We've got a, a bunch of guests lined up, great guests lined up for you today. Uh, Adrian Autry will join us at the end of the show to talk some SU hoops at 145. The Hall of Famer Floyd Little, our final visit of the, the football season uh, with Floyd Little coming up at 1 o'clock. And, and we do have a very special guest uh, set to join us uh, 15 minutes from now. Uh, Ian Eagle will be on the program. Uh, this is the uh, 30th anniversary of the Syracuse-West Virginia game inside the Carrier Dome. The Orange uh, won at 32-31 on Michael Owens' two-point conversion, uh, wrapping up a perfect regular season. Uh, Ian Eagle uh, was at SU at that time, his sophomore year in college. Uh, we'll hear from Ian uh, during the next segment. Plenty of SU football on the table. Plenty of SU basketball on the table. Let's start with hoops since they played last night. And listen, Seth, three games in a row now against the team picked to win its conference. Another one of these mid-majors, doesn't have a marquee name, but has enough talent to give you some trouble. We saw them beat Iona in a game that, that went down to the wire. Syracuse needed to perform in crunch time, and it did. Then Texas Southern uh, over the weekend and uh, in Oakland last night. And, and last night, I would say... Had to be this team's best performance Absolutely. so far. Absolutely. Uh, just a, a game that was never really in doubt. That early 12-0 run, uh, Syracuse was able to build a, a double-digit lead and, and ended up winning by 24 against a pretty good team, and I know their best player wasn't out there. Uh, but to beat that team by 24 and to make it look relatively easy, uh, again, another good step for this team in the right direction. Oh, I totally agree. And, and I think that when you look at these three games... You know, Iona, they won. They, you know, they they were never fully in control of that game until the very end, but they won. Uh, you know, the the Texas Southern game. You know, you take out the fifteen zero run to start the second half, and that is a very very close, very down to the wire game. Uh, you know, Texas Southern, to their credit, stuck around the whole time in that game. Uh, you know, despite the what thirteen point edge at the end of the day, and then last night you did what you should do, and and you blew a team out, and I think that. When we get to the end of the year, you know, we're going to want to look at these teams, Iona and Texas Southern and uh and and last night against Oakland, and you're going to want to say you're you're going to want to root for those teams, right? You're going to want to hope that those teams do end up winning their conference regular season. They do end up winning their conference tournament because that can only help Syracuse as far as the tournament goes. I think that you know, this year's non-conference feels a little bit stronger than maybe in years past. Uh, you know, these these three schools are not just your average throwaway, you know, mid-November mid, mid -November games. 
Uh, they're all very easily. They all very easily could be in the NCAA tournament. And uh, you dispatched with the three of them, you know, with relative ease. And we saw three different kinds of games that, again, this this team is so inexperienced, we keep going back to it, that they gained a different kind of experience from these three games against Iona, against Texas Southern, against Oakland. Iona went right down to the wire. They needed to make plays in crunch time. Texas Southern shot the ball really well and refused to go away. And after building the lead, you couldn't quite put them away. And, and then you had to find a way to outlast them. And then last night... Again, you just you played well on both ends of the court. I know Jim Beheim said afterwards that you know the offense still needs some work, and I get that. But you won by twenty four. You held them to, to fifty, and that's a team that won twenty five games a year ago. And the only reason they didn't go to the NCAA tournament is they you know it's a one bid league, and they didn't win their their conference championship. Right. They won the regular season conference championship, but not the tournament. And so they go to the NIT. They won twenty five games. They've got a lot of talent, and, and you you blew them out. Uh, as you said, you should do that on your own floor. But for this team to to do that this early, I think that's a very good sign. Now, Absolutely. we will see. I was impressed by that that they did it. That that they actually did go blow them out. And I know, hey, you could you could point to Pascal Truku being you know six eight inches taller than anybody else on the floor. Uh, but he did what he was supposed to. You know, he went out and finished six dunks, and he blocked ten shots. You know, and he and he grabbed ten rebounds. He he did that. You know, and and I think that that has to be a welcome sight. That at this point, you're you're doing what you should do against that team. We will see next Monday a true measuring stick where this team truly is right now when Maryland comes to the top of the ACC Big Ten Challenge. But I think you have to be pleased with how this season has started for Syracuse. And we keep talking about you know that center position between Sidibe and Chuku and saying that's that's one guy. That, that center position is one guy. You look at the numbers from that one guy last night, and I realize one guy was actually doing most of the work, but, but those two guys combined for 14 points, 15 rebounds, and nine block shots. Now, again, I take it. most of it was from Chuku. We've seen, you know, Sidibe was great in the first two games. Chuku's been very good in the last two games. You combine their numbers, you absolutely take that. And yes, yes they're, they're taller. I get it. Uh, but... To me, this is this is a good sign. It, it, Chuku looks like a true shot blocker, and we've heard for the last two years, really the last three years since he transferred in, they sat out, and then last year he was injured. We've been hearing this this guy's blocking shots in practice. He's seven two. You know, offensively his game is is a work in progress, but defensively he's got instincts in, in terms of blocking shots, and and we've seen that over the course of of the last you know few games um, that that he's a he's a presence in the middle. He's looked fantastic. You combine their numbers, and and as you said, Seth, you you would absolutely sign up for that in a heartbeat. Yeah, he's looked as as good as you could have hoped. And I know that uh, Jim Beheim said yesterday, they don't talk about last year, but, uh, you know, let's talk about last year. You know, he didn't play much. He he played in, what, nine games before he got hurt? And in those nine games, he was playing, what, four, five, six minutes a night? Uh, It's not like he had a lot of experience in this system. He didn't play a lot in his one year at Providence. So he's really an inexperienced player. And, and, you know, the coaches will say, oh, he's a freshman. He's not a freshman. Like, uh, I'm I'm not going to buy in that much. But he does have limited experience on the court at the collegiate level. And to see him go out and do that last night and just impose his physical will on on a team that's not as big and not as, you know, strong or, or... physical maybe as he can be um to go out and just dunk on people and go out and just block shots and clean the glass um it it just it's what you want to see 
right? Like that's that's just kind of what you would hope to see out of him at this point in the season. Sidibe didn't play much last night. He was a little banged up, it seems like. Um, they're going to need him too because at some point the, Syracuse is going to run into somebody who does have height, who do, who probably doesn't have a seven foot two guy, but might have a six eleven guy, or you know somebody like Luke May or Marvin Bagley, or you know name the player who can go and bang bodies with you and get you into foul trouble. So they're going to need both of them at some point. Uh, you know, obviously last night was not the night that they did. You know, there's a stretch coming up against, you know, Maryland, Kansas, and UConn, and we're going to learn a lot about this team. But the questions we had coming into the season, Seth, so far, we've been able to check the boxes. Tyus Battle, he's going to be the go-to guy, right? Well, he has. Absolutely. And he's taken over every game he's played, really. But the, the last three in particular, at times, just absolutely taken over the games. He's averaging 23 points per game uh, through four games. Frank Howard's going to have to handle the point guard duties. Another really solid effort out of Frank last night. 18 points, six assists, only had two turnovers. Again, you'll sign up for the three-to-one assist-to-turnover ratio. O'Shea Brissett, probably going to be the team's second-leading scorer. He, he wasn't last night, but he's shown glimpses of you know that trajectory that Battle was on last year, and you and I have talked about that, that, that we see this guy developing into the number 2 option from a scoring perspective on this team. Check the box there. The, the centers, what are you really going to get out of these guys? And again, we, we laid out the numbers. Uh, you'll check the box there. And, and you want someone else to be able to either come off the bench or, and again, Matthew Moyer has been struggling, but who's going to be that that guy who does the dirty work? We thought it was Moyer. We said it might be. It's turned out to be Marek Dolezal. Yeah. And again, he was fantastic again last night. Eight rebounds, did not score, but he had three blocks, two steals, had a couple of assists. He does a little bit of everything. And again, he impacted that game last night and did not have a basket. Took one shot. And in the other game against Texas Southern, he he nearly had a triple-double. He did. You know, he can he can really do a lot of everything. I'm impressed by Marek Dolzhai. Uh, you know, O'Shea Brissett, I think, had a had an alright game, you know, last night. He, he didn't play very well on Saturday. But uh, again, it's that trajectory. Is he going to... Uh, you know, is he going to be a, a stud from day one? No, but he very well could turn into... Well, you say Tyus Battle like he did, yeah. you know, la- at the end of last year, where he's scoring double digits the last ten games of the year. Malachi Richardson and what he did through the run of the tournament. So I, I think that we have to remember when it comes to freshmen, like it, it might take some time to develop them. Uh, I, I was wondering what you thought about this. I said this on pregame talking with Danny Shays. Um, maybe just by nature of who's got the ball in their hands, is Frank Howard going to turn into that second scoring option? I mean, he's just. He's just gonna have the ball in his hands so much that, like, by by nature of that, he might average more points than than uh, O'Shea Brissett or Possibly. anybody else. I, I I'll tell you this: his shot is much improved. Yes, and again, you know what I feel about Frank Howard. I said before the season started, I said he is the key to this team. I know Battle's the best player, but you expect Battle to be there night in and night out. I firmly believe Frank Howard is the key to this team. If he is good, I think this team can can reach its goals. And so far, he's been very good. His shot is much improved. Could he be the second-leading scorer? Yeah, I suppose he could be the second-leading scorer. Just to get back to your point on O'Shea Brissett, you said he was all right last night. He was 11-9 and for a true freshman in his fourth game. Yeah. If he makes his free throws, he's got you 15 points. Yeah. He had three steals. He played 36 minutes. And even the other night, yes, he did not shoot the ball well against Texas Southern. He still finished with 10 rebounds. Yeah, um, That's and- what I've been most impressed with him, by the way. He I've gets been most impressed with him on the glass and Dolajai on the glass, and it's really interesting to watch. But it looks like this team want like there there are guys on this team who want to do that, right? Like 
they want to defend, they want to rebound, and and I think uh, again I could be dead wrong here, but I think like half the battle with defense and rebounding is wanting to do it, and the fact that it looks like these guys want to will make this team, uh, you know, better defensively and on the boards than last year's, and I think we're already seeing that. And sometimes it's difficult to get a star freshman forward to buy into the rebounding thing. You know, not to pick on Chris McCullough, but he immediately comes to mind as a guy who was, you know, invested or even Torian Thompson, a guy who's invested on the offensive end. He wants to score. You know, he's coming from high school and he's got that knack for scoring, but maybe doesn't really want to do the dirty exactly. work and box out and grab rebounds. And Brissett from day one has been a guy who who wants to get on the glass and, and wants to, to impact the game that way. I thought Jim Beham brought up a great point after the the Texas Southern game. He said, you know, Brissett, his first shot selection has not been good, and he he's generally has been missing that first shot, and it, it sets him up. It kind of sets the tone for the night. He says he's got to take a, a better shot with that first shot, and he went 2-for-12 uh, against Texas Southern, and last night he was he was better. He was essentially 50% from the field. He's 5-for-11. Uh, didn't shoot his free throws all that well, but again, he makes his free throws. He's got 15 points and 9 yeah. boards, and again, you would sign Absolutely. up for that in a, in a heartbeat. So um, I've been, I think you could check the boxes all the way down. I know Matthew Moyer has struggled to some degree here in the early going. You hope that he can get it going, but Merrick Dolezal has certainly picked up the slack. Yeah, uh, this team has picked up the slack, and you know somebody's picked it up for them. And last night, you know, Ty's battle, Frank Howard, O'Shea Brissett, Pascal Chukwu did the vast majority of the scoring in last night's game, and, and that's going to happen uh, from time to time. But you had Merrick Dolezal giving you everything else but scoring, right? You, you had other pieces there, and I, I, look... If Matthew Moyer isn't going to play much, if Matthew Moyer is going to play much, who knows? Uh, but if Merrick Dolzai keeps doing what he has been doing, it doesn't matter how much you know Matthew Moyer plays because you're getting what you need out of that position it, from Dolzai. I was just going to say, it's almost like how we combine the centers. If you combine right. Dolzai and Moyer and add up their statistics and, and treat them as, as one guy, again, you get 11 rebounds out of those two last night. And exactly. You would, you would take that. And you, know, you get the production out of the centers, and then you let the other guys brissette Howard and Battle, I mean, those are going to be your three go-to guys on the offensive end of the floor. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And Geno Thorpe maybe providing a little bit of a spark uh, off the bench, which he certainly did against Texas Southern in that first half when Tyus Battle was in foul trouble. Uh, I wanted to get back to Tyus Battle because I saw this last night. And just to see this written out, I I think was pretty surprising to me. So three straight 20-point games, right? We expect that uh, against three pretty decent mid-major schools. He's shooting 53% from the field, 42% from three, and then 80% from the free throw line. I, I mean, you you easily sign up for that over the course of the year. And uh, he's got that takeover mentality as well. I mean, there, were, there were points in the game last night. There have been points in, in every game so Saturday far this the season second half. where he just he, he finds another gear. And it's, uh, again, I, I realize the competition, but just that mentality uh, I think is is good to see if you're an SU fan. We do need to take a timeout. Keep it here. Orange Nation just getting started on ESPN Radio. Find us on the web at ESPNSyracuse.com ESPN Radio 97.7, 100.1, 1200 a.m. and 1440 a.m. Our take on the day's top stories. It's today's business on Orange Nation. It's today's business brought to you every day by Grossman St. Amore CPAs. And for that, I'm, I don't even want to bring in Max because I know what we're going to no, talk about. No, we're skipping your last one. No, you're not that's bringing fine. this up. We'll bring in our producer, Max. Let's get it out of the way. Let's talk some bills. I'm not even going to. Br- I didn't bring it up. You did. You I did j- off the air. And then you, you said, did. let's not do it. And now you want to do it. 
We're going to just no, team up on Max here, I didn't Max say here, not to we? do it. I said your your take is is not correct. But go ahead. Say what you got to say about Tyrod They should have never Nathan started Nathan Peterman. No. Never. You're wrong. Okay. I'm not wrong. And they should have never, ever, ever well, started Nathan Peterman. In I, the middle of a team that's trying to break a 17-year playoff But they're trap. not this year. They're, they're not. still in the wild card. What are you talking about? They're, they're not, not in the wild how card are you this not, year. How are you this, not saying that on. they don't have a chance to make the playoffs? Calm and how down. did you not say This that, year is all about building for the future, right? Okay, it always but it doesn't to, matter and if you're in the be. playoff conversation. How is that not helping you build to the future? Because you still don't know who your quarterback is. You have because a quarterback that can no, get you to the playoffs. No, Do you not? No. Tyrod Taylor is how not the quarterback. How can you literally say that, Seth, when they were in the playoff conversation? Tyrod Taylor is not the quarterback next year, the year after, the year after. The Bills knew this. Right. The okay. Then knew if you this knew this, ten games. if you knew this, so they had to go make a change, and if, they had to see what Nate Peterman. If had. you know this as a Bills now, fan, you let you let Nate Peterman throw ten interceptions in a whole game of football, then yeah. pull him after five. If you want that, if you want to be mediocre for this year and say, "Oh, it's a wash," you start Nate and Peterman. Why are you bringing in Tyrod? Because oh, you remember? Oh, we're in the middle of a no, playoff because we could potentially first, still make the playoffs. No, so. it's because it's the first career start for a kid, and if you leave him out there any longer, oh, yeah. and let's you're throw, absolutely killing him the way that the Texans let's did for throw, Derek Let's throw David Nate Carr, Peterman so. out there against the top ten defense on the road hey, for his first I, NFL start. Hold on, I'm the one Friday who said the timing was dumb. I'm the one t- Friday who said wait until they get back home. Can, can and I call time out a great here? Defense, can I so. call time out here? There okay, so everything you just said. The, the reason that I got fired up during the break is you said that, that I was wrong. Okay, just let me speak here. I did not say that they should start Nathan Peterman. I, it, it, and if you remember, I Seth asked the question. We should, said no at the same time. Exactly. I remember that. So you, so you looked at me and you said that I, I was wrong about this. Seth is right in that they are clearly looking to the future. And if you're asking me as a Bills fan, was I on board with the decision you heard what I said last week. I said if he's making this decision, truly believing that Nate Peterman gives you the best chance to win, then I am okay with it. But I also said how in the world could he give you the best chance to win going on the road, going against that pass rush, the fact that it is his first career start and there is a learning curve. And I said this feels to me like they're building for the future, and that bothers me for a, a franchise and a fan base that has waited and waited and waited for this team to get back to the playoffs. They were in position, and it felt like to me that they waited until Tyrod had a couple of bad games, that they have made the decision on Tyrod, they've turned the page, and they said, all right, this is the time to do it. He's had a couple bad games because, that's to me, that's the only reason that the timing made any sort of sense was that they were going to wait until Tyrod didn't look good. Because if you remember that Raiders game three weeks ago, he played very yeah, I well. Was, yeah, I was there. And I then, watched him. And then the short week for the Jets was a disaster, but it was a disaster across the board. That was not Tyrod's fault. That was a, I mean, that was, that was the game that Nick O'Leary went down and just dropped the ball because he thought he was touched. Right. I mean, that was a strange game. They didn't lose that game because of Tyrod. He didn't play well. Nobody played well, but it was one of those Thursday night games. And then the next week, obviously, the Saints are good, but he didn't play well against the Saints. He played awful against the Saints. It was, it, to me, it felt like they were waiting until he played bad, and then they pulled the plug. He played bad against the Saints. He did. Played well against Oakland. And, you know. How and many- that, that's what bothers me, Max, is that it, if that is the reason, if they were truly like, all right, we got to time this, we got to wait till he plays bad, okay. and then we're just going to give it over to Peterman, that's what bothers me as a Bills fan. Hang on, though. Did Tyrod Taylor give up 60 points in two weeks? No, I, I don't think that anybody would deny that. I, I don't think he did. And and again, I, I think that 
when we look at this, again, the timing is the thing that doesn't make any sense here. Steve Steve is right. If you were just waiting for Tyrod to be bad, that's all they did. I, I think that my point still stands of why would you start him in his first two starts going to L.A. with a good defense and to Kansas City that's still got a good defense, and then, oh, by the way, you're playing the Patriots. Like those three, that, that, The timing of this whole move doesn't make sense and still doesn't make sense. Um, I think the move in general does because they were of the mindset, it seems, from day one that Tyrod Taylor was not the quarterback of the future. And once you figured that out, you had to at least see if Nate Peterman could give you anything. Obviously, he can't. And I think the tweet that that illustrated this the best was from Robert Klemko. It was something along the lines of, People always wonder what it would look like to put a mediocre quarter, college quarterback in an NFL game with just a couple months' notice. This is why it doesn't happen. You know, like it, it's not like he lit the world up in college. I thought he would be a decent NFL quarterback. He still could be, uh, but it certainly isn't off to a good start. They should have never brought him in. Tyrod Taylor is better than half the quarterbacks in the league. You guys all you say it all the time, Steve. How many quarterbacks can win you a Super Bowl? I'm not saying he can win you a Super Bowl, but he's in that next tier conversation. He's not. I don't think so. He's not a Blake Bortles. You Dude, guys are dumping like he's... him after the season. So what? It's because his contract doesn't make sense. And if he wanted to restructure, he's not going to re-sign for anything less than he already signed for. I'm not sure that Sean McDermott has his mind made up about Tyrod before he walked in the door, but it's clear that he's made up his mind now. And I, I don't fault him for that because I'm kind of on the fence. I think a lot of Bills fans are on the fence about Tyrod Taylor. He does some good things. But he does a lot of average things as well. And you need a quarterback to win in this league. Is he the guy? Well, they've decided that he's not. I, again, being a Bills fan, though, I don't like the timing at all because it totally feels to me like they did it for next year. And for a fan base that's been waiting for this, it's... It's unfortunate. It, it it is because now they're five and five. They've lost three in a row. They've lost all their mojo. Now they've put themselves in this position with, you know, what do you do if you're Sean McDermott? Do you say, oh my bad, I was wrong, and go back to Tyrod, or do you go with the kid and flush this season down the drain and lose your locker room in the process? Yeah. Well, now it's time if you are Sean McDermott, you need to make the decision if you want to try still to make the playoffs because you're not completely out of it yet, or do you well, want to just try. do you want to just throw the rest of the season, call it a wash, get a better right. draft pick than a seven and nine Bills? They're team. gonna try, but they're gonna try on on his terms. And and right. I'm on board with the moves that they've made along the way. You know, I know that they're building for the future. Yeah, there's no you, doubt you about that. You wouldn't trade Marcel Darius if you weren't. There's you, no wouldn't trade, you wouldn't trade Ronald Darby and Sammy Watkins before right. the season. But, if but you that weren't. was before that they got off to the five and two no, start. I know, but, but even but, the Darius even thing, then, it's like, all right, let's you know, we're building for the future. You know, we're right. gonna win without Darius. Let's right? get this character out of our locker room. We want the better character. So they're gonna try and win, but it feels like it's on his terms. Now, if if they go back to Peterman, then that is a clear sign to everyone that they don't care about this season. If right. they want to win this year and if they don't want to lose the locker room, He's got to start Tyrod this I week. I think starting Peterman already said they don't care about the season. I don't care if you're looking well, to the future. You don't look to the future when you have the potential to make the playoffs. He obviously didn't know that that was going to happen. I mean, he didn't know. that. No. I mean, five, nobody could have predicted five interceptions. It was a disaster. He benched him at halftime. He brought in Tyrod. And I'm curious to see what he does this week. Because what he does this week, who starts, signals to me it whether or not to be Tyrod they're serious Taylor about this, this season. I agree with you. Let's go to the phone lines. Joe and Camillus wants to check in on this. Hey, Joe. Guys, how are you? I'm calling, and I'm going to forewarn you. I have a very strong opinion against both of you guys as far as this Tyrod benching, and here's why. Let me let me ask you guys. You do this for a living. What is? Do you by chance know what Tyrod Taylor's record is 
when trailing by five or more points as a starting yeah, quarterback. Six and fifteen. We were, we were just talking about it. No, he's three and eighteen. Rodgers is from from what we can surmise. Three eighteen. What are the top? What are the top two teams in the AFC? The Steelers and the Patriots. What do they okay. do a lot? They score a lot of points. Okay. So you're telling me that with two with six with six picks in the top ninety picks of the draft. You you're telling me that you want to waste away and go nine and seven or eight and eight with Tyrod Taylor, who, in my opinion, he is not a top fifteen quarterback in the NFL. And people that think that he's a below average game manager, he doesn't know what to do when he's under pressure. He's too quick to run before letting the letting the route settle in, letting the pocket open up. He doesn't see things well, and that's the mo on Tyrod Taylor. With an interception that, percentage of one point five four, that's what that's the but, mo on Taylor. But listen, interceptions is the most overrated stat in all of sports. Brett Favre has more interceptions than anyone in the history. He's a top five quarterback ever. Listen, the Bills have a stout D. They have a young they have a young coach that knows what he's doing. Listen, if they think that they have something with Nate Peterman, then they're going to play Nate Peterman. You know why? Because they want to see if they need to move up with these t- exactly round picks that they have. Move up and get Sam Darnold. Get Josh Rosen. Get. Hey you know, Joe, Baker Mayfield, whoever it is. Joe, but, Joe, I, I don't mean to, I don't mean to cut you off. Hang on the line with us for one second. We we have Adrian Autry that we have to get to, so I don't mean to cut you off. I, I am I I completely understand what you're saying. I don't think Tyrod is the quarterback of the future. However. If you're Sean McDermott, don't tell me then, don't tell the fan base then that we're trying to win now. He gives us the best chance to win. Nate Peterman, right now, that game against the Chargers did not give you the best chance to win. And next week against the Chiefs, if Nate Peterman starts, he does not give you the best chance to win. That's fine if he's not the quarterback next year. But just say to me, just say to the Bills fans, we're building for the future. Don't tell me that he gives you the best chance to win because he doesn't. But I think we agree on a lot of that because I'm I'm not sold yeah. on Tyrod at all. I, I'm, I'm with you. Find out what Nate Peterman can do at some point. You know, maybe if you're eliminated from playoff contention, or just tell me. We're looking at the future. We want to look at the kid. But don't tell me it gives you the best chance to win. I'm not saying you said that, Joe. I'm saying that's what Sean McDermott said. Don't tell me that if you're Coach McDermott because it's simply not true. We do need to take a timeout. Adrian Autry joins us next.